Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Colin Clayback. Thanks for being on the show, Colin. Thanks for having me. Excited about it. Yeah, me too, Colin. And uh, he's the vice president of Virtus in a production role in 2015. And he leads a Virtus national real estate practice that touches over 300,000 multifamily units and 100 million plus square feet of commercial real estate provides hands-on insurance consultations and brokerage services to owners, operators, and developers of multifamily and commercial real estate across the country, delivers customized insurance strategies to achieve the business goals of industry-leading firms. His passion for real estate ignited after being a witness to significant commercial infrastructure and residential transactions during his time managing the district office for a member of the U.S. Congress. Colin, thank you again for being on the show. Tell the listeners you know, a little more about who you are and let's dive into the subject of insurance. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the introduction and reading of the bio there. I, I know that's a mouthful. My dad was in insurance and he told me to go in insurance right out of school. So of course, being a young adult, he told me to do that. So I didn't do it, of course, uh, and then found my way here six or seven years later. I, uh, yeah, I had a, a passion or have a passion for real estate that, you know, I always like building things, seeing things being built around town, redevelopment and all that type of stuff. So when I decided that I was not going to continue a career in politics, I said, I'm going to either do commercial real estate or insurance because those are two things that really had a lot of interest in. And the transition to insurance was kind of just more of a natural one with uh, kind of growing up around it. So been with Virtus for over four and a half years now. And, you know, the firm's only been around for a little over five or six years now. So we started, I was employee number five, and now we've got, uh, I think, over 50 and two offices and trying to grow some more. So it's been a fun little uh, past couple of years here. Great. Wow. So insurance is obviously a very important topic right? Sure. You know, when we're talking about buying a large a commercial building of any kind and, you know, there's many ways we could take that. There's the importance of having proper insurance. And, you know, I was hoping maybe you could get us started in some things we should be thinking about when we're looking at a commercial property or maybe even, maybe we can talk about property specifics, but even, you know, when we're talking to an insurance broker, some things we need to keep in mind from one broker to another. Sure. So I think, as you mentioned, there's a ton of different ways that people approach insurance or can approach insurance and really having open, transparent dialogue with a broker, I think is the foundation, right? And so we talk a lot about one, our expertise in the space and just how many deals that we look at and are involved in. But, you know, out of the 300,000 doors that we insure in the multifamily space, no two clients approach insurance the same, right? And so there will be people that will take a they will have a very small risk appetite from a deductible exposure. Maybe they'd rather pay more upfront in premium and just know that they're not going to have to go out of pocket more than $10,000 for a deductible if, if a claim occurs. We have folks who look at totally opposite or on the entire polar uh, opposite of, of the spectrum there and say, 
we'll take a deductible of $500,000. And we want to make sure that our annual cost is as low as it can be. And we'd rather, you know, maybe pre-fund and, and do some things to participate in the risk as opposed to letting the insurance carriers profit. So I always think it starts with a very transparent dialogue between your broker and, and maybe interviewing several brokers to, to make sure that you get that experience, uh, making sure that they have an expertise in the space, whether it be multifamily, hotels, single family, mobile homes, whatever, just to make sure that they understand how insurance works in your space, right? In your vertical. And then in my mind, it's not just a quote. What are the goals? What are we really trying to achieve out of our insurance? So we like to kind of learn a lot about our, our clients and our prospects on the front end, just so that we have a, a real harmonious relationship and there's no surprises on either end because nobody wants to be have an insurance call or a claim scenario, wake up, you know, maybe call in the middle of the night and be surprised what's in the policy or what's not in the policy. So I got lots of questions for you. Sure. <laughs> you know, you mentioned the deductible could be 10,000, could be 500,000. Could you give us an example of maybe a client who might use a 10,000 as opposed to a 500 and why, or, you know, just to help us gauge what we should be thinking about there if I'm contemplating how big my deductible should be. Yeah, sure. Well, I think that, you know, so we are owners and uh, clients that we deal with are all over the spectrum as well from I'm working on a 25-unit townhome acquisition for a guy in, in Lawrence, Kansas right now. I'm working on a 200-plus unit deal in Colorado Springs that you're familiar with. I'm working all over the country. I've got clients that have thousands of units or this is their first deal. And so I think in general, the smaller deals are where people are, have more comfort with that smaller deductible. Maybe it's their first deal. Maybe they've only got a couple. When you start growing some economies of scale, what you can kind of do on the insurance perspective is also uh, benefit from that. If you've got 500 units, can you consolidate from five one-off policies to one property policy, one general liability policy, and one umbrella policy, right? So the carriers see more premium across your portfolio. And really, it's kind of some economies of scale. And with that, depending on how the syndication is done, either on a deal-by-deal -deal basis or a fund basis, there's sometimes a little bit more appetite for higher risk, right? And so I think in general, kind of the smaller under 100 unit deals, People who might have just one asset, you know, one, two, or three, take the lower deductible. But really, as their business and their portfolios start to evolve, we see the ability to kind of go up on that deductible threshold. And if we have numerous properties and we wanted to be able to carry that across maybe numerous, numerous properties, right? Like you were mentioning. What if they're in different locations across the country or, if, you know, do they need to be in the same location or does it matter? No, it doesn't. So typically you need to have a mutually insurable tie, right? And so you might in the syndication world, you know this better than me, but everybody sets up a, a special purpose entity, an LLC or LP or something to acquire one asset, right? And so you kind of need a more of an umbrella, whether it's a property management firm or an asset management firm. If you and I were going to start one, we said Colin and Whitney Management LLC, that would be the first name insured and would give us the ability to kind of add on other assets to kind of get that economies of scale. So 
it doesn't matter from a geographic standpoint to add properties together for insurance. Each geographic footprint kind of has its own hurdles, you know, something in the Gulf, uh, Florida, Texas, Alabama might have their own hurdles just because of the likelihood or uh, possibility of a hurricane coming to hit it. Arizona doesn't have hardly any perils, right? And so wind hail in the Midwest and in Texas has been big and fires out West and all these things the carriers take a look at when they're pricing and your broker if he's got the expertise, should be able to say, hey, we're going to package our Florida stuff with our Arizona stuff so that we, yeah, maybe on the front end, it looks like Arizona is subsidizing Florida, but we're really driving down the cost holistically. And so that's just one of the scenarios that when you kind of get into it and got a portfolio, you got to take a look and, and see which how many different ways you can skin the cat. Sure. Sure. And you mentioned earlier, some people might pre-fund. What does that mean? Yeah. So, a lot of times what we do, Mike, our goal, we look at it to be holistic, take a holistic approach to it. And so we don't want to be, hey, well, we're the insurance guy that says you need to buy XYZ. We're not the ones who say you need to have this deductible. We want you to make a, a decision, an educated decision based off what exposures you have, right? And so we want to, if there's a way to approach insurance differently, right, and maybe compress the annual cost, but pre-fund for some of the added deductible exposure that you're taking on in a higher 100000 or $500,000 deductible range, can we pre-fund for some of that and kind of create this insulated layer of risk where you're taking on more exposure, you're taking the benefit of the lower premium, but you're also kind of creating this rainy day fund for when a occurrence or a claim scenario might pop up. Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, who's going to be the client for that? Yeah. So it's really across the board. You know, it typically the larger portfolios have the ability just from sheer size, right, to do that. Many times the larger the portfolio, the higher the losses that grow with it as well. So it's different in every scenario. We've done it for clients in the five to 10,000 unit space. I've done it for a client that has just under a thousand units and, you know, they all do it for different reasons. You know, I've got a lie tech, you know, one of the scenarios I always say is a guy had roughly a thousand units uh, spread across Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Arkansas in the lie tech space, um, tax credit section 42 properties, his insurance costs he didn't have the ability or doesn't have the ability still to raise his rents to compensate for his growing expenses, right? And so he was kind of getting pressed. Insurance rates were rising a couple of years back. And he said, I've got to figure out a way where I can let myself breathe a little bit more. I can't raise rents to compensate. And so what we did was we looked at it a couple of different ways. And what we found is the way he was buying insurance, he had a pretty efficient rate, right? You know, we could have maybe made a marketing effort and, and shaved a marginal amount, $1,000, $2,000 out of his annual spin. But what we saw is if we increased his deductible from 10000 to 50000 we would get over 55K in savings annually. And so now that's- a no-brainer, right? Right. Well, that's a no-brainer. But then you say, okay, well, in one scenario, I'm back to where I started. And so what we did for him is kind of getting into this pre-funding discussion is we looked at his loss history from how his assets had performed over the previous five years. 
And in, had we rolled out this program five years prior, he would have been in, in the black by a close to $200,000. There would have been one year where he would have assessed and taken on an additional expense for added claims, but it just made sense for him. So we allocated additional premium out to create a deductible reserve fund. And so in year one, we allocated out $40,000 in additional premium. It kind of created that initial fund so that if there would have been a wind hail occurrence or some occurrence that would have transpired, his insurance would have responded the exact same. And had there been two, then he would have been upside down 40K. You know, it's been four years, knock on wood, and he hasn't had a claim yet. And so now he's sitting there and he's got $180,000 in the bank that he would have paid directly to the insurance carrier just in premium had he been approaching insurance the other way. And so that's just one example. It's on the kind of more the middle market or, or small to mid-sized portfolios that are kind of in our bread and butter sweet spot. And I'm not saying anybody should do that with the rush into that. But it's just an example of ways we try to take a different approach and different look to the place in insurance. Right, so that's why we needed an expert like you. I, I'm not going to know that without talking to you, right? And specific scenarios in our specific situation for yeah. we'll be able to figure that out. Yeah, sure. You know, help somebody interview a broker. You mentioned it earlier and just talking about do they have the expertise in your space? What are some other key things that we need to make sure our brokers is doing that maybe their nose or yeah. whatever? We wouldn't even know to ask them or to check on ahead of time. Well, buying insurance, commercial insurance is a different buying experience, right? It's a different setup. And unlike pretty much any other buying scenario, like I wear a button down shirt every day, right? Typically only wear a blue or a white. And so there are many different options for a blue and white button down shirt, the fit, this and that. In insurance, if you have a broker who doesn't really dictate pricing, right? We're not setting the market. We are just going out and we're trying to leverage the best deal and the best coverage on behalf of you. And so if you're creating competition between brokers and saying it's really just first to market wins, right? And if I'm your broker and I go out and I go out to the entirety of the market, then I've blocked everybody else, my colleagues or competitors to do the same. If you say, well, just quote it and you're just kind of creating some confusion in the market and the underwriters don't know who to be talking to. The best pricing and coverage is kind of difficult to see with multiple brokers out there. So I always say interview a broker on the front end before you let them go to market and say, how do you approach things? How do you think things? And what do you honestly think about my portfolio? Where is pricing? How is the coverage structured? And so what we do is we engage in what we call a due diligence audit many times if it's a existing portfolio or something. And we'll take a look at what you have in place from a pricing, a coverage, administrative ease. We look at all those different areas and we say, okay, well, we like the coverage here. Pricing is efficient here. It's under market here. It's over market here. Did you realize that you don't have coverage for total pollution is excluded? And you're going to say, maybe. Those are the questions that we get back. But in total pollution, it's a exclusion that carriers throw on policies many times to limit their exposure and push it back on you, right? And at the end of the day, it's something that can be placed, carved back for HVAC, right? So we're talking about carbon monoxide here. And if you've got a value-add multifamily asset that's got maybe some old heating AC or even new heating AC and carbon monoxide, there becomes a carbon monoxide claim. If you've got that total pollution exclusion, 
you're self-insuring that risk. And we've seen claims that can jump in the millions to $10 million range for carbon monoxide. And it's really something easy that your broker should just request a carve back for hostile fires and HVAC so that your coverage does respond as you think it would, right? So the total pollution, they're trying to limit your asbestos, your lead, your things like that but they know the game, the carriers know the game. And so they'll uh, try to limit their exposure and pass that on to you. And sometimes brokers do it on purpose to cut some savings into the policy. And that's fine if you're willing to take on that risk. That one's an easy one that should never be on there. But it's just kind of like the deductible conversation. If you're making a discussion of how your policy is going to respond and you're making active decisions and educated, transparent decisions to take on higher exposure, and lower your annual cost, that's fine, right? Just need to be walking into it eyes wide open and understand what decisions you're making. You don't want somebody to be dictating those decisions on your behalf. Could you walk us through the process of maybe getting a quote? We approach somebody like yourself and we're trying to get a quote and just what maybe some timelines of how long we should expect that to take. But then also let's go into some, what's going to make that change? When we actually say, okay, Colin, we're doing this deal. We want to use you all. Should we expect, how close should we expect the actual price to be and what would yeah. make it? Yeah. So we pride ourselves on having very good internal analytics with such a big focus in the space. We can look at a deal and say, okay, well, do you have lender requirements as what your lender is going to require for the replacement cost to be? Do you agree with that? We can run Marshall and Swift to help figure out the replacement cost of what the coverage should be. And that in itself can kind of dictate pricing a little bit. But we can tell you kind of some of the base rates, right? And the actuality of it right now is unfortunate for probably many of the listeners to this podcast is that commercial frame habitational property rates have increased year over year for probably about the past three years now. Since the 2017, the summer fall of Harvey Irma and Maria in 2017, We've seen ticks increasing. And so if you're acquiring properties that have had losses or your properties have had losses, we're seeing increases, right? And so the process is, we'll take a look at the asset. Say this is an acquisition. Let's just walk through. Hey, we've got this new acquisition we're trying to acquire. We don't have anything else. This is our first deal. Our investment partners are different on other things. So there's no mutual insurable interest. We're going to approach this on a one-off. We take a look at it very quickly from a, the OM, right? Create a, pull some statement of values. We subscribe to a lot of property databases to help pull some of that data to make it a little bit easier on yourself. And we say, okay, here's what we think we have here. Has the seller provided you lost runs? No, they haven't, or yes, they have is going to kind of fluctuate, right? But if they have, we're going to need to see three to five years. Carriers are going to want to see three to five years. So we'll take that and we'll say, okay, in this geographic footprint, this is kind of what market rate is for the standard. In Texas right now, deductibles are being pushed higher and harder, higher and higher. Midwest or moving out west is not Arizona's much lower deductibles, right? And so we'd kind of say, here's what's market this range. It's typically a five cent range or something. So we're kind of saying, okay, here's where decisions you can make can affect that, right? If you need to say, well, we underwrote whatever, what are our options here? Well, maybe we took the Marshall and Swift replacement cost and your lender says, well, we can probably carve $3 million out of that or something like that. And so we can go through different scenarios once we have it. But the whole process, in a rush, you can do it in 10 days. 
we like to have as much time as possible so that you're making a truly educated, transparent decision. So we like to have kind of a 30 day window for an acquisition. Once you have, say this was an acquisition and you had some economies of scale and you had a portfolio of a thousand or 2000 units, and maybe we've already kind of built a master insurance program for your portfolio, then it becomes very simple, right? We can say, okay, here's what it is. As long as it doesn't have any red flags at your carrier that we'd already had discussed with you. If you're doing B and C value add frame hab in the Southwest or something, as long as it doesn't have maybe coastal exposure or something like that, we'd have it written in so that you could just add it to that program for policy rate. And so if your insurance program ran from 7-1 to 7-1 and you acquire something on 10-1, then you're only going to pay for the first nine months that it sits on the policy. And that can be turned around within the day. Now there'll be underwriting criteria and stuff like that, that the carriers will want to see, but to give you that indication is very quick. So you can really streamline the process from an administrative standpoint, if you do kind of grow those economies of scale. Sure, sure. So, you know, when we're underwriting properties, we're looking at lots and lots of properties, right? Before mm-hmm. we find that one that we decided we want to pursue. And sure. obviously you and I aren't going to go through every property right? I would waste so much of your time, right? I mean, just to get an exact dollar figure, we never get to the second step of pursuing yeah. an actual deal. I mean, until we've analyzed 100 or 200 or whatever that number may be. So is there a good rule of thumb that you would suggest that when we're looking at these properties? I mean, I know it's going to vary. There's so many different things, right? That could, sure. that could make that change. But maybe just a good rule of thumb that you suggest we use when syndicators are underwriting opportunities or deals to make sure we have it as close as we can yeah. uh, figure. Yeah, I think it all comes if you've got kind of a baseline established of kind of what you do or your niche within the industry, it becomes a little bit easier, right? Because then it's like, okay, well, we do stuff only in Texas or only in Florida or Arizona or whatnot, right? So then we can say, okay, well, here's what you need to consider for this area, right? And here's what market is. Operating all across the country, we provide our clients sometimes with a heat map of here's where Anywhere on the coast, you're going to have to take on higher deductible exposure for name storm, which would be your hurricanes, your Harvey, Irma, Maria, so forth, Florence's, Michael's that battered the coast over the past couple of years. But in the Midwest, you're going to have exposures from your wind hail, right? Or your big, big concern there. And so you just need to look at that. You need to understand that if your costs are going to increase, if the history of the asset has a loss history, right? And so I always explain it to people as kind of a credit score, right? The property itself, their loss history is kind of that credit score and it's going to stick with that asset, not the ownership, right? So even though you're acquiring something that happened under another owner's watch, that asset's going to be stuck with it for carriers. You're going to want to see how it's performed from the past three to five years. And so that's something to be mindful of. Some carriers like uh, student housing, for instance, and some despise it. And so any kind of difference that is included that might be different from what you're used to might affect the insurance. And so we just kind of like to have those conversations on the front end, kind of set you up with some, maybe some red flags and things like that, that will change insurance from what you're used to. Does that answer the question? No, it's good. It's good. (laughs) There's so many different ways that we could approach, you know, how we get a rule of thumb. And probably initially, somebody should call you and discuss, we're looking at properties in Dallas or in Birmingham or Jacksonville, whatever. We've got clients that they'll get into new markets and maybe they'll have something in Georgia and they'll say, well, we found this tertiary market in, in Kentucky or Tennessee. And before we start looking at deals, 
We just want to know if there's anything we should be aware of. And that's typically the best time just to have a quick, candid conversation and review some of those things. And so in general, the newer the update of the asset or the newer the asset, kind of the better the insurance things that carriers like or fire sprinklers and safety provisions like that things that they don't like or things that are going to make probably an asset cheaper that aluminum wiring or older breaker boxes and things like that. When they see that, then they see that, well, there's a likelihood of a claim here. And so when they're underwriting it, they're going to underwrite more premium into it. I think that's some great advice a minute ago. So just contact you about a location or some type of market and just ask, you know, are there things in this market that you know of that we need to be aware of while we're doing our underwriting or before we really start looking at this market? Sure. Great advice. And Colin, you've been a great guest and you just provided some great insights on insurance and some things for me to talk about and finding that broker that we want to work with and getting quote. Tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and get in touch with you. Yeah. Well, I'd love to speak with all the listeners out there. I'm on LinkedIn. Colin Clayback is my name. Virtus is our firm. We're located here in Kansas City, but I am traveling once a week in different markets. So we'd love to buy you a cup of coffee or just meet and learn a little bit more about your listeners here today. But you can call the office here. You can call my cell phone and that's 214-326-8284. You can find us on LinkedIn and our website is virtusinsurance.com and we'd love to have a conversation. Great. Colin, thank you so much. I appreciate you putting out the information. Not everybody yeah. puts out their cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I hope the listeners will reach out to Colin. I hope you'll also go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. Go to our Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show. We can all learn from experts like Colin and ask those questions. And I hope you're sharing the show. I am. I am. Thank you, Colin. Glad you are as well. And we will talk to all the listeners again tomorrow. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you, Colin. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.